Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. You're listening to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. This is Cork Today. Cork Today with J.P. McNamara on C103. Good morning, it's Cork Today, JP, until one. Patricia returns from her holidays after the bank holiday weekend on Tuesday from 10am. We're with you until one while Bernie takes your comments on phone right now, 0818 103 103. If there's something you wish to raise on the show or comment what we're discussing, call Bernie. You can always text our WhatsApp 0862 103 103 or indeed send us a WhatsApp voice note on that same number, 0862 103 103. But ahead on this morning's show, shortly we're going to hear from parents of babies whose organs were sent abroad from Cork University Maternity Hospital for incineration without their consent they now say they want answers and a report following a review has yet to be released despite it being due last November we'll hear from those parents who have been speaking with our news reporter Murray two weeks shortly on the programme also a number of people we didn't get to this yesterday but a number of people attending Cork City's sexual assault treatment unit fear that they may have been victims to drink spiking. Mary Crilly of the Cork Sexual Violence Centre will join us to discuss. And with rising energy costs, many are trying to upgrade their home to become more sustainable. We're going to hear the grants on offer from the Sustainable Energy Authority of Ireland. And over the years, we have spoken to many families who continue to fight for life-changing drugs. We are going to speak to another family this morning. And this family are fighting for their child. Uh, who has cystic fibrosis. Basically, the drug is available, but because certain age cohorts with a certain gene were not included in the contract between the HSC and the pharma company, uh, which is 6 to 11-year-olds, they cannot uh, obtain this drug. The pharma company, they seem happy to release the drug if the HSE pays more. We're going to speak with the family. They'll join us on the programme this morning. And it's awful once again that there's a family out there who are basically waiting to see what will happen from this decision uh, but also that they're caught between a pharmaceutical company and indeed the HSE uh, so we'll hear from that family uh, later on on the show and ABBA Voyage the concert it's going to be held well it is being held this week in London uh, but ABBA they're appearing on stage by hologram but how did the concert go our entertainment reporter Crossy he is there in London he was at the concert last night so we'll find out what the experience is like and on Monday next if you like it or indeed maybe you hate it Love Island returns to our TV screens there's an Irish contestant again this year and we're going to look ahead to Love Island 2022 which is coming from a brand new villa also we're going to hear about this year's Inishan Steam and Vintage Rally which is back after a break due to the pandemic it's proudly supported by C103 and there is the many big weekends festivals on across the June Bank holiday weekend C103 involved in many 
many of those. Our news reporter Murray Tuig has been looking ahead to those across this weekend. And when you go on holidays in Ireland across the 32 counties, where do you feel is the best location to holiday? Well, the search is on for the best place to holiday in Ireland and we'll hear more about that. It's the Irish Times and Board Fawlta teaming up to find out who or where is the best location. It was County Clare. West Clare won it uh, 10 years ago. At the moment, voting is going ahead, but Cork is in the lead. But can Cork stay in the lead? Anyhow, uh, obviously, a lot of people here in Cork will be going elsewhere maybe for the holidays. Or maybe you do holiday here in Cork and it's a big county. So if you're in Mitchellstown, you might decide to travel uh, to West Cork on holiday or East Cork or wherever. So let us know your favourite place to holiday in Ireland. Text or WhatsApp 0862-103-103. That and more to come between now and one. And where we, during the week, we spoke a lot about inflation. Uh, from food inflation to fuel inflation and we did mention about the hotel rooms and the cost of hotel rooms at the start of the week right across Ireland and we were comparing uh, the various prices of hotel rooms and how they have gone up over the last six months well we were aware Bruce Springsteen he is playing in Dublin next year and a lot of people got tickets and then they were looking at the hotels and the price of booking a hotel room on the night of the concert in Dublin well it seems now it's cheaper to fly to Rome to see Bruce Springsteen play next year than it is to go to Dublin uh, for those who are commuting from various parts of Ireland. So obviously if you're living on the East Coast or Kildare, Wicklow or Meath, it might not be too bad for you. But if you're travelling here from Cork or from other counties, adding everything up with the cost of transport, with the hotel and accommodation especially, and then the tickets, it's actually cheaper to go to Rome and see Bruce Springsteen. So that kind of really shows where we're at with regards to inflation in this country. And we're going to discuss this morning of the grants that are available if you want to retrofit your home. Well, it seems uh, there's not enough of them available because many people who have homes, they are inefficient and many of them cannot avail of the schemes because they simply cannot afford the spiral building costs. It's a report out by Friends of the Earth and they say a large cross-section of society including low-income households, tenants, rural dwellers and the travelling community, uh, they're facing significant barriers to changing anything in their home to make it more sustainable and again it goes back to the rising building costs so inflation will continue to affect every sector of the economy right across Ireland and the pandemic bonus that frontline workers were due to get, well, many still have not received it. Uh, I know yesterday they were saying that they, they, the money is being paid into the employer's accounts, which would be either the HSC or uh, whoever is is your boss or your employer within the frontline services. But uh, even at that, it seems that just 2% of nurses and midwives have received the pandemic unemployment payments. Their union has claimed uh, that no nursing homes have received the money as yet. And this is the €1,000 bonus. It was due to be paid between March and June, we were told initially. Then we were told it would be play, paid between the end of May and the start of June. Uh, but just 13,000 of the more than 100,000 HSC workers entitled to it have received it. But it seems to be causing divides in hospitals because we got a text in yesterday evening uh, from a hospital worker who says that some care assistants in the hospital they work in have received the pandemic payment the bonus but nurses working have not received it and they feel it's unfair that you have one part of the hospital who have received this payment while one texter said would you not think 
that the nurses would have been first to receive it over the care assistants. Now, I don't know how you uh, change, you know, the role or the importance of who is where in a hospital. But anyhow, uh, that was a text that came in yesterday evening for us today. Also, uh, many people feel it is going to cause a divide when you have certain people in a hospital who have received the bonus and then you have others who worked as hard uh, during the last two years and did not receive anything. So it is causing what it would seem is division within hospitals uh, just on text that we have got yesterday evening. But uh, still 2% of nurses and midwives have received that pandemic uh, bonus, which, well, we'll have to wait and see if, if that will increase over the next while. And of course, uh, celebrations across the UK for the Queen's Jubilee, but there was a lot of angry yesterday afternoon. I'm not too sure how people feel about this. Uh, maybe it is a storm in a teacup and people feel it's us or those who raised it being too sensitive. Uh, but it's a former officer in the Irish Guards. He has faced fury after he defended using the term Mick on live TV. Uh, this is Jamie Lowther Pinkerton. He was speaking as part of the BBC's coverage of the Trooping of the Colour ceremony and he described the performance of the soldiers as a great Mick cocktail. He says have this fantastic mix of guards discipline and pursuit of excellence with their Irish irrational 10th if I can quote Lawrence of Arabia the BBC presenter then Hugh Edwards he said some people watching might think that Mick is not altogether a nice term but Mr Lowther Pinkerton he said and he told you that well it's what we call ourselves and actually it has been our nickname for so long that any connotations that may or may not have been have worn off however following the interview live on the BBC a number of people took to Twitter to slam the use of the term uh, one person wrote the year is 2022 and a BBC presenter and someone from the British Army are explaining why mix actually isn't an offensive term for Irish people well then a number of Irish people who did and were part of the Irish Guards over the year one of them was Senator George Cronk well he came out and he said he didn't find it offensive he has worked he said for uh, many English over the years well over the last 30 or 40 years he said and he never had a problem now others will say maybe they had over the years but that was coming from the Irish Guards uh, perspective and he said it was something that was just said but there was no malice in the saying of this Uh, so your view on that I mean do you think it was is it just being blown out of proportion and are people too sensitive when there was no malice in uh, calling them mix? Or do you think, like people on Twitter, that in this day and age, uh, you're explaining why mix isn't actually an offensive term for Irish people? It's wrong, it is offensive, and the, the use of that kind of terminology it needs to be stamped out your views are welcome you can text or whatsapp 86 or call bernie on 0818103103 now parents of babies whose organs were sent abroad from Cork University Maternity Hospital for incineration without their consent say they want answers. A report following a review has yet to be released and this is despite this report being due last November. The group now they're looking to organise a protest and that will be outside CUMH on the 11th of June. Leona Birmingham helped this story to become public. She appeared on RTE Investigates and her baby son Lee's brain was incinerated in Antrim and she's been speaking to our news reporter Murray Tuig. We just need the answers really. I feel like they have more than enough time to complete the report and come out and give us the findings. Um, they had two years, you know, two years, May 2020 so I feel like 
we need the answers now. Now it's just, it's going on too long. Take us to the time when, when you found out. Yeah, so, like, just from that alone, you can tell that there's a communication problem on the hospital's behalf. Um, so we found out in May 2020, and the phone call we got was not communicated very well. Um, we still, we actually didn't understand exactly what had happened. or So it was only until we asked the hospital to meet and give us a meeting. Now, we waited until November 2020 um, to get that meeting with the hospital, and that's when we found out the extent of what actually happened. Um, and we still were unaware that there was other babies until we'd done the Freedom of Information Act when we found out that there was another 17 babies involved. So that's when I decided we need to find out these other parents and see how they're feeling. And um, that's when we spoke publicly, and I was just absolutely blown away to find out that that was the first time them families found out what actually happened. Um, I mean, it's heartbreaking. Um, and just for them to find out through media, I mean, I could imagine how hard that must have been for them. So it's great that we all have each other to support each other now and power in numbers, hopefully. That's our aim for Saturday for the protests, really. Hopefully with Dale Harris when there's enough of us there. And to be kept waiting for the review, I suppose, like, what does it do for, I suppose, the grieving process? Even? Yeah, so, like, our grieving process is completely on hold. I mean, we can't grieve properly or how we, we would like to grieve uh, when we still don't have the answers we need for closure and to be able to grieve fully. Um, it's been a long, it's been a long, hard two years on our mental health. On We have so many unanswered questions and I think it's time now we get closure and to be able to grieve for our son. And I suppose you mentioned there the communications problem. Mm -hmm. So I suppose the, the hope here is that lessons are going to be learned. Yeah, I mean, like, we can go back 16 years ago when it happened and the, our government promised that there will be legislation brought in and this will never happen again. But as we can see here, we are 16 years later. Um, so now, I think in 2022, it's, it's time for something to change and for legislation to be brought in. So that's why we need to call on our government as well to take stance and make sure this gets passed this year and in another 16 years we don't hear of more grieving families going through this. And you mentioned there are power in numbers so I suppose tell us what time the protest starts on the 11th. So it's starting at 11 o'clock on June 11th outside the hospital grounds so I'm hoping that we will have some numbers and support and I mean even if it's just a beep of a horn when they're passing but yeah and hopefully the hospital will take take note of that. Leona Birmingham speaking to our news reporter Murray Tuig. Murray also spoke to Quick Katie Quilligan. Uh, Katie's son James was born in CUMH in January 2020. My son is one of the babies and I'm going because I want my son's voice to be heard just like the rest of the babies and on the day we just want as many people to come out and support us and be our baby's voices with us. When did you first find out that the, your baby's organs had been incinerated? Um, we got a call the night before Leona's interview and basically we were just told on the phone that there was a headline going to be coming out about 18 babies and that my son was one of them and we weren't informed of what the headline was about just that to watch the news and watch out and see what the story was really. That must have been heartbreaking. So when the headline did come out, I didn't sleep for I say two weeks <laughs> because we, after watching Leona, we had to then look into it ourselves and find out what actually it was and how our babies were involved. This review now that's due. I mean, this is like waiting for it. It must be just awful. It's a grieving process again. It's causing us depression, anxiety, anger complete mixed emotions like what they're doing to us as families is unbearable it's 
disgusting. And what's the contact been like from the HC or CUMH? We only hear from them when one of us families approach them and if they answer one family, we all basically get the same thing replied to us with just our names changed. And when the families come together, I suppose, has it brought you together in, in terms of this protest now that you're maybe supporting each other as well? Well, luckily enough, thanks to Leona who set up the group, um, we actually have become a nice little group and we keep in contact nearly every day. So it's nice to have each other as a support. Katie Quilligan speaking to our reporter Murray Tuig and that protest will take place outside CUMH on Saturday at 11am that Saturday the June the 11th at 11am and these are the parents uh, where their babies their organs were sent abroad from CUMH for incineration without their consent and again they're waiting on answers uh, from CUMH and indeed the HSC our lines are open 0818103103 text or WhatsApp 0862103103 I mentioned there about where is the best place to holiday in Ireland. Morris saying West Clare. Well, they won it 10 years ago. Morris is insisting on West Clare on WhatsApp, but also Deirdre saying Dingle. I love how when you go to Dingle, you just come back feeling relaxed, says Deirdre on WhatsApp to 0862103103. Well, I see a lot of people texting in regarding Dublin Airport. We'll have an update and indeed we'll be hearing from those who are at Dublin Airport this morning after 11. But up next, we're going to discuss the issue of drink spiking. Record today on C103. Call Patricia with your comment. 0818103103. A number of people attending Cork City's sexual assault treatment unit fear they may be victims of spiking. Mary Crilly of the Cork Sexual Violence Centre joins me on this. Good morning to you, Mary. Good morning. And morning. thanks for joining Thank us, Mary. Uh, we discussed this earlier in the year, and I think at that time there was a lack of reporting, we were told, on drink spiking. But now people are showing up questioning why they are blacking out after a night out. And also we are hearing now from people who are coming forward and speaking out and knowing that their drink was spiked. I think there's a couple of things about spiking. Like we started a spiking hub, which is really asking people to contact us to put some information into the hub about where they thought they were spiked, if they thought they were spiked. We weren't investigating it, but just trying to gather information. And in a few months, we've had over 105 um, people, mainly young women, but some young men as well, um, suspecting that they've been spiked and naming different bars where they felt it happened. I mean, what I'd love to do is, I know in France, I saw some um, research there last night that showed they had 400 cases of people feeling they've been spiked. But my, my concern is, Young girls and young boys are worried about going out now and I don't want them to be worried. Spiking was always there um, and there was no way to find out if you were spiked or not. There's also a huge amount of um, messing going on for young folks who think it's a great laugh or going out with some kind of needle and puncturing somebody's arm or somebody's leg, um, maybe not with anything in the in the injection or whatever, but they think it's hilarious. So that's kind of really frightening people as well because I think if it, if we done with nothing in the injection and I did, I missed it, how could I have missed that? And they're terrified about going out, and I don't want them to be. I want us to call these guys out. I want people to really introduce a buddy system as if they're going out with a small sister or a small brother who they keep an eye on, like like nobody's business and make sure everybody's okay because it isn't any worse than it used to be. I know the guards I think have recorded in the country maybe 40 instances of spiking but before this um, there's nowhere to get checked and there still isn't anywhere to get checked. Like if somebody you know felt they were spiked tonight there's nowhere to get um, a toxology test. You know they, they will do it in SATO only if you're going ahead and you're 
procedure with guard reports and that kind of stuff. So really what we're doing is gathering information or raising awareness about it. And I'm really saying to people, don't let it stop you going out, but just watch out for each other. Yeah, and I think many people now, as you mentioned, the buddy system are like that and, and do watch out for their friends when they are out as best they can. And the bars, in fairness, right across Cork are playing their part. A lot of them now are serving drinks in fancy glasses, I suppose, but they have a cover over them. So it's harder for a drink to get spiked when it's covered. But I think the person who's going to spice the drink is the person who is with you, who's part of your group, you know, who maybe has gone up to the bar to buy it. It's rarely the mm. stranger in the corner who you wouldn't let near you because, I mean, if your friend saw him leaving the bar or the nightclub, which is they'd run after you, it's usually some, somebody that you know. And it's very hard when the night goes on, but we all have a few drinks and, you know, your friend is missing for half an hour and you think she's up in the toilet, but she's not. She's not being brought out of the place. So it really is keeping a close eye on, on yourself and other people. But don't let these people win. Yeah. You know, I mean, spiking has always gone on, but really, like, watch out for yourselves. And I think the guys, and I've met a few of them who who did it and who told me it was just for a laugh and they meant nothing. It's not for a laugh. It really isn't for a laugh because that person will go out the next night and it terrifies them and they don't know what's happened in their life previously. So it's not a laugh. So we need to stop these um, handful of guys who think this is hilarious going around doing this. We need just really to stop them from doing it by calling them out because they will you know, be laughing in their own company, they will think it's hilarious. Yeah, and their their friends that are with them, if they see them doing this or they know they're up to it, for them to call it out as well uh, because we need the friends of those doing it to call their, their mates out on it. And Mary, an example we got from a few months ago when this first came to light and as you say, drink spiking is nothing, nothing new. It's been going on for many, many years at this stage but uh, this was something from about 10 years ago uh, and this lady that contacted us is in her 40s now but she said they were out one night and there were a gang when she was house sharing were out and it was was the start of the night so they hadn't a lot to drink and there was two girls and a guy uh, they got another round and this lady basically could not finish her drink she says I'm not going to finish that we'll go to the next bar and I'm going to get something different so she gave it to her housemate the, the guy okay. he drank it yeah. drank, drank it down or whatever and they left to go to the other bar on their way he started changing and when he got to the other bar it was as if he was drinking all day so then they presumed something was up and in the end they just they had to say that he had to be spiked or that drink that was meant for her but she gave it to him had to Absolutely. be spiked there's no way so you know it's not something new but it just shows the reality of it that you know, while it's meant for one person could also end up being for another person Absolutely and for us to believe that it is happening you know I think there's a lot of disbelief out there that mm. this is happening it is and it doesn't really matter what's put in the drink whether it's extra drink whether it's a drug whether it's a tablet whatever it just is happening so it's just to keep a close eye and call the people out who we know are doing it and the friends need to say more than I don't be doing that that's not that's not on they need to get a bit stronger and really call these guys out um, for what they're doing Okay Mary before I let you go I know yesterday we were discussing the Amber Heard and the Johnny Depp trial and whatever people's views are on it there was a, a concern that because of the outcome it might turn people off reporting or going ahead with domestic violence cases now from our listeners yesterday the majority of them said it would not deter them because they just felt the way the trial was handled that it wouldn't deter them it was like a, a, a different lifestyle I suppose in a way uh, from working within uh, domestic violence situations yourself Mary over the years within the Cork Sexual Violence Centre would you agree with our callers or would you say that it could hinder some people I, th- I think it just shows the reality of what does go on in court like I know there was stuff um, online kind of saying the Me Too movement is destroyed now it's not the Me 
through movement is still there. And I think what it really showed is there's more work to be done. That is the reality, unfortunately. And it's horrific, I think, the way um, anybody in domestic violence situations are treated in court and they're back and forward and back and forward. But it just shows you more to do. And again, I'd ask, like, don't give up, don't stop mm. supporting. But it just shows things aren't right yet. We have a lot more to do. Don't be deterred from it. Uh, by the way, best of luck, Mary, next Thursday. It was We were all delighted. Thank I you. think everybody was really, delighted. It? it is fantastic for one of our own to receive the freedom of the city of Cork. I mean, all through the years when various people get it, the calls we get is people like you and others should be recognised. And this year you have been. So we're delighted, Mary, uh, that you're going to receive the freedom of the city. It's next Thursday in City Hall. So enjoy it. You deserve you it, so Mary. Much. You really deserve Thank it. You do so, so much, much for so many people in Cork. Yeah. You probably don't realise what you've done, but you have done so much. <laughs> Even by discussing this this morning, I can see texts already coming in from people uh, that, that you were helping. So enjoy it, Mary, and enjoy becoming the freedom of the city. Thank you. Thank you so much. Take care. That is Mary Crilly there of the Cork Sexual Violence Centre on the issue of spiking, drink spiking, which is nothing new, but still uh, it is happening. And for people to be aware uh, that it is happening. Our lines are open 0818 103 103. Text or WhatsApp 0862 103 103. On the way next, with the rising energy costs, many people are now trying to upgrade their homes so their home becomes more sustainable. And also when the heating is on, that it stays within the home. Bush, how can you upgrade? Grade your home. Are there grants on offer? Well, we'll be hearing next from Sustainable Energy Authority of Ireland, who are going to tell us what is an offer grant-wise. Record today on C103. Text or WhatsApp Patricia with your comment. 086-2103-103. Following the EPA report we discussed on yesterday's show, what options are open to us all if we wish to make our homes more sustainable? Well, Susan Andrews is the Sustainable Energy Authority of Ireland's Home Energy Grants Expert and she joins me this morning. Good morning to you, Susan. Good morning, John Paul. And thanks for joining us. Now, we all need to make our homes more environmentally friendly as energy costs are on the increase. Mm-hmm. So upgrading our homes, it can have a, a massive benefit, but it's also costly, hence why there is so many grants available that people might not be aware of. Um, I mean, the bear rating we all have in our homes, for some homes, it can be a lot lower than the newer ones we see being built right across the country. Yeah, you're you're absolutely right. I mean, the average BEO or the building energy rating of homes in Ireland is actually D or lower. So our, our homes are actually quite carbon intensive and it means they're not energy efficient. And what we want people to realise is that there are a wide range of grant supports available from the Sustainable Energy Authority to help homeowners on their way. You know, you can do it all in one go or you might want to do it over time, but there are supports there. So we've just recently increased the grants, so they now cover up to about 50% of the cost of works. And in the case of attic and cavity wall insulation, you can get grants up to 80% of the cost of works. So you're really going to benefit from increased comfort and also, obviously, with you know increasing energy costs that's at the forefront of everybody's mind at the moment, you're going to save on your energy bills. So you're keeping all that valuable heat in, not running your heating systems as much and you're going to see a significant reduction then in your energy bills. And just staying with the heating side of things, I mean, you have this one-stop shop service you operate, and that will give a lot of detail to those who need it, as it is costly to upgrade. I mean, a lot of people are looking now, trying to get away from the fossil fuel heating. Mm. And I suppose you see in, in a lot of the new homes this uh, heating to pump air, or the air to heating systems that are there, or the water to air systems, there's so many of them out there. Yeah. And that new heating today, I mean, could a grant be available to change change your entire heating system to one of those new uh, air kind of heating systems? Absolutely. Well, they're, 
they're called heat pump systems. So there's different types in the market. The most popular one in Ireland, as you say, is the air-to-water heat pump system. So just very quickly, it looks like a heat, uh, an air conditioning unit sitting outside a house. So it sits outside your house. And it sucks in the outside air, it goes through a heat exchange system and it provides you then with hot water that goes into your radiators and provides you with hot water out of your taps. Now, in some cases, um, if your home has been, say, upgraded and has new piping, it may be just a simple swap out of your fossil fuel oil or gas boiler and you can install a heat pump. For older homes where maybe the piping is old, you will have to do additional work in resizing your pipes and your radiators. So we have a number of different grants there to support. So if it is just a swap out for a heat pump, you can get a grant of €6,500 towards that. If you do need to do additional work with your central heating system, you get an additional 2000 on top of that. So you're getting €8,500. Now, what we would say, though, so there's kind of a, a three-step process to looking at your home energy upgrade we're, we're jumping straight into heat pumps, which, you know, it is a big step. It's what we need to do. We need to get off fossil fuels. But for homeowners that really don't know where to start and they're finding the whole thing a bit daunting, we'd probably say start with an assessment. Get a BER assessor out to do a very non-intrusive assessment of your home. And they'll give you what's called an advisory report. And it's a roadmap for your house. It's tailored for your home. And it will tell you how energy efficient your home is and it will pinpoint those areas that could do with um, improvements. And it will also give you an idea of the grant support available. So it's a really good starting point. Then what we'd say is look at your insulation. So you're losing up to 30% of your valuable heat through uninsulated attic spaces, uninsulated walls. So they're the real key areas that you want to focus on. And that's why we've just recently increased those grants to 80% for attic insulation and cavity wall insulation. So it's a real good start. It's probably the, you know, the less costly of any of the upgrades and you're still going to get that huge benefit of increased comfort and reduced energy bills. And once you have your house really well insulated, then it's a really good idea to look at getting rid of that fossil fuel um, boiler and putting in a heat pump system. And you mentioned the increase in grants there. Is that, I suppose, because mm-hmm. we see the building costs which are spiralling and spiralling over the last few years. Is that why the grants have increased to meet the demand? It is, yeah. So the the new grant rate now is set to the current market cost and has taken into account inflation. So, look, we know it's, um, you know, it is... A, a problem for homeowners. Cost is always an issue. We have a lot of bills going out at the moment. One thing I would remind people is that, you know, with any home improvement, there is an upfront cost, or always is. With a home energy um, upgrade, you're actually getting a return on your investment. So you are getting that reduction in your energy bill. So, you know, you could see for, um, you know, a standard semi-detached house, if you bring that up to a minimum B2, BER rating, you could save anything between 700 to 1,000 euro on your energy bills per year. Um, so, I mean, it is worthwhile doing. The, the other thing is you're adding value, sorry, to your home. So for every one step increase on the BER scale, you're adding 1% increase to the value of your home. Yeah, and we need to save money at the moment when we look yep. at the cost of energy. Uh, one thing that I suppose everybody is guilty of, you come home from work, and this is more or less in the winter months now, and the house can be cold, no one there for the whole day. You put on the heating, then you might leave it on too long. Uh, so I've seen this in some homes where people have invested in smart heating systems. Mm. And this basically, you can switch on or time your heating from when you're in work via your smartphone. Uh, is there a grant for changing or adding this into your existing uh, heating system? There is, yep, there's a 700 euro grant and that's quite a quick and easy thing to do in most cases. You would need a contractor to come out and just make sure that there is an element of separation of 
pipe work that might need to be done so that you're separating your, your heating system, your space heating and your hot water requirements. And they put in a 24-hour, seven-day timer. And it just gives you much more control. Quite often now they have an app on your phone. So you can decide when you need the heat to come on um, and only have it on when you need to have it on. Often we put it on for an hour. Um, it might just need to go on for half an hour because your radiator is still going to emit heat. So on top of all of this, you know, we do want to make people aware of the need to reduce our energy um, consumption. You know, that's a huge problem at the moment. Um, we need people to be aware of how they use their energy and to reduce it where they can. So heating controls is a real quick win and it's relatively inexpensive to do. And just to say, I know homeowners often think, oh, a home energy upgrade, it is this big project. You can do it all in one go. You can do multiple upgrades. Um, and in that case, you should look at our one-stop shop solution because there'll be a point of contact that will manage the entire process from start to finish for you. So they take all that hassle out of it. But for homeowners that aren't in a position to do all of the work to Mungo and might want to do it over time, over years, we do have the same grants. They're just individual grants. They're the same grant values, but you can choose to select one or two. You manage the application yourself. You choose from a registered contractor. So there are two options, and they're not means-tested. I think people often think, oh, the grants are only there um, for people that qualify and that they're means-tested. These two routes are not means-tested. They're, they're there for all homeowners and landlords once you meet certain eligibility criteria, and all the information is on our website. And you answered Anne on WhatsApp a part of her question regarding the assessor coming out, but she wants mm -hmm. to know, do you need to have then a BER rating or a BER rating to draw down the grant? It depends what you're doing. If you're going through the one-stop shop service where you're going to do multiple upgrades in one go, and under that service, we offer a wider range of grants, so windows and doors and floor insulation and ventilation is all covered in that package. And that's to support homeowners to get to a minimum B2 BER rating. So you do need to meet that requirement if you're doing a big home energy upgrade. Under the individual grants, there's no requirement to meet a B2 or sorry, any kind of BER racing at the end of the works. They're there just to support homeowners to start that journey. And the assessor then, Tess, wants to know, the assessor you speak of, is that, mm -hmm. is there a cost towards getting the assessor out and how much is that cost? Yeah, so we have a list of independent BER assessors on our website. The cost, um, it's roughly between kind of 350 to 500 euro for a standard BER assessment. If you decide to go through one of the individual grants, you will be required to do a post-works BER assessment so that we can see how, you know, how the upgrades have improved the energy efficiency of the home and you get a grant of €50 Euro towards that. And Dan wants to know, then we spoke about insulation there, he wants to know what grants are available for the insulation of non-cavity walls? Are they available? Yeah, so what I'd say is have a look on our website because we actually have a range of different grant values depending on your house type. So you can get internal wall insulation. So we have different values. So we have 1500 for apartments, up to 4500 for detached house. And um, we have external wall insulation grants, again, for apartments, that's 3000 and up to 8000 then for detached house. So there's a range depending on your house type. And then very finally in the question front, Ursula's and Shana Gary. Now, this one, I'm not too sure if, if it will be covered by the grants or not, but she needs a new front door as there is a draft coming through her door at the moment. Uh, so when she was looking into this, she couldn't see anything online. Could she avail of a grant towards this and changing her door? Because if she gets a new door, then it obviously will be working better and they won't be leaving any of the heat out. 
So we offer grants for windows and doors under the one-stop shop route. So that's really where somebody's going to do multiple upgrades and they have to bring their house to a B2. So unfortunately, we don't offer individual grants just for doors. But if she was doing the whole lot together, there might be something in that for her. Yeah. Okay. And applying then for these grants, can you apply online or can you also, if not online, if you don't go online, can you physically fill out a form somewhere? You can. So for the individual grant routes, we have both an online application system. So the homeowner looks after the application and they just need the NPRN number, which is on your electricity bill. um, And they pop it in and they'll get approval within 24 hours. And then we'll post out the grant documents to you. If you don't have access to... um, the internet, you can go into any of the citizen information offices or you can even ring us. Um, our number is 018082100 and we'll send out an application form for you. Um, with the one-stop shop route, the grant application there is managed by our registered one-stop shops. So we have a list of registered one-stop shops on our website. Again, you can call us for that information and they'll actually manage. So in that case, because you're doing multiple upgrades and there's many contractors involved and it's a little bit more of, um, there's a lot more work involved. So that's why the one-stop shop is a real positive route for homeowners to want to do more. And just to say, in that route as well, the benefit there for the homeowner is that they're getting the grant value up front. So they'll get the grant deducted from the cost of works and then the one-stop shop applies for the grant afterwards. Where with the individual grants, because they're smaller amounts, the homeowner looked after the application they then apply for the grant and they get the grant back afterwards. Okay, and you must be using an approved uh, contractor for all of, of these works and they are all available That's online. Right. And also all the grants, you can view them on your website as well. Absolutely, yeah. Very good. Well, uh, best of luck. I mean, it is something I think a lot of people will be looking at as the year goes on. But uh, for the moment, Susan, thanks for joining us this morning on the programme. Thanks very much. Take care. That is Susan Andrews there of Sustainable Energy Authority of Ireland. She's their home energy grants expert and you'll get more there on their website. This is C103. Let's go back to a lot of calls and comments into the programme over the last while. And by the way, very shortly, we're going to be speaking to a family who are basically fighting for their child and it's so their child can have a better life because if he gets access to this drug, it will be life changing for him. But unfortunately, uh, their child, at the moment, he can access this drug. Uh, he has cystic fibrosis. Uh, the drug, basically, it's something in a contract between the pharma industry and indeed, or the pharma company and the HSC, whereby his age cohort were not included. Now, the pharma company, they seem happy to release the drug if, of course, the HSC pays more. We'll be joined by that family very shortly on the programme. But earlier on, I was telling you about, obviously, the big celebrations in the UK for the Queen's Jubilee but on BBC yesterday a former officer in the Irish Guards he uh, refers to the Irish Guards being called Mick and they were used to be nicknamed the Micks and some people got offensive to that and on Twitter there was people saying uh, that here we have a presenter and someone from the British Army explaining why the term Micks actually isn't an offensive term for Irish people and we were just asking what people felt and thought about that well it's also summed up really from Fran who says Hi JP there's absolutely nothing derogatory meant by expression mix at Her Majesty's Jubilee yesterday. People need to stop being such pansies and expecting to have everything sugarcoated. Because of social media absolutely everything is instant and therefore 
So are both negative and positives in all aspects. There are so many more newsworthy topics to debate for all those keyboard warriors. Happy bank holiday, says Fran on text to 0862103103 and enjoy your bank holiday, Fran. And yeah, I mean, a lot of people are saying what Fran has said there that it's just keyboard warriors and there's nothing offensive meant by that term and even... And those who were in the Irish Guards over the years have said that that's what they were called. There was no malice in saying that. Uh, John saying, I don't think there was anything wrong with what was said. I don't think there was anything bad meant by this. I think it was any time th- this was mentioned, it was in good faith and wasn't meant in a mean way. Uh, while Jerry saying, JP, were you ever called anything uh, bad when you were away in referring to Irish if you were living in another country? Well, I did spend time in Australia and as the Aussies do, uh, they, the JP went to J because they shorten uh, everything. As, you, as I'm sure you're aware in Australia, everything gets shortened. It's just the way to do things. Um, so, I mean, you know, you'd have the odd person saying, you know, but in, and again, in a good way. It, it could be on a night out or it could be in a workplace going, hey, Irish, but it wasn't meant in a bad way, if you get me. It was kind of meant in a bit of banter more than anything else. So, the majority of people don't find anything wrong anyhow with the mix um, comment that was made yesterday on BBC uh, from our text and, uh, and WhatsApp and indeed calls. So maybe you are different than those who have been in touch with us. Let us know. 0818103103. Bernie taking your calls across the programme. And Dublin Airport in the news all week. And you would have seen the coverage yesterday evening when Minister Simon Harris, he has come out and a listener here is saying, Hi JP, I agree with Simon Harris because he has said civil servants are hiding behind the government ministers after they make mistakes within the civil servants. So these civil servants are well paid and must make relevant decisions for the Irish people. And this is in relation to uh, what Simon Harris did say yesterday. He said it's really all coming to a head and I suppose politicians at this stage, they're growing sick and tired of taking responsibility for all the backlash and they feel the civil servants who in a way are running the country need to stand up as well. And that's where that latest point is coming from. I want to stay on Dublin Airport for a while because earlier on this morning there was some queues again starting at 4.30am a lot of the flights of course go out early and people were in those tents that were outside the airport uh, queuing to get in they got in and then at around 7am there was very little queues about an hour to get through security and in the last two hours we're told that wait times at Dublin airport is a lot less than it was after the chaos last weekend uh, the DAA they're taking more measures again as I mentioned there are those marquees now they're outside Terminal 1 they will handle any overflow and overall there seems to be no real hiccups across the morning even though there has been some minor delays nothing major Uh, These are passengers we spoke to earlier on this morning as they were heading into the airport and some are feeling a mix of anxiety and relief. I am four and a half hours early. There was anxiety but when they announced their plan, we had always planned to come around two and a half hours anyway and as it turns out, we're actually here three hours early. I'm a nervous flyer anyway, so it didn't help that the queues were so long and stuff for the airport. You can understand though, everyone wants to get out at once, you know. We've been locked up for so long, it's so nice to get out, but you thought maybe they would have prepared for this, but I guess because it's basically everyone at once going out, you can kind of understand what's going on. Just a feeling of passengers arriving into Dublin Airport this morning and again, no major 
uh, incidents of queuing so far. There is queuing, but nothing like we saw last weekend. And staying on a hospitality, John in Roscommon, this is regarding the hotels that we spoke about earlier in the programme and the fact that when we were mentioning Bruce Springsteen's concert, it's cheaper now to go to Rome to see Bruce Springsteen due to the cost of hotel accommodation in Dublin next year for his concert. Well, John says, going on about hotel accommodation, our government, uh, they advise us all to holiday at home, but how can we when the prices are so dear? John says, I'm just back from Liverpool. Four nights in the Marriott Hotel, it was €450. Compare that to the weekend prices here that people are being charged. They're very high prices, so it's no wonder people are going abroad for their holidays, says John in Roscommon. And we spoke earlier with Mary Crilly from the Cork Sexual Violence Centre, and this is in relation to drink spiking in general. And just for people to be aware of this, as some people are are attending the uh, sexual assault treatment unit in the city, and they're not too sure if they have been victims of drink spiking, but they are blacking out. And it's something that has been going on for years. It's nothing new, and it's just to highlight the issue that it can be happening and to beware when you were out and about at the weekend. But a texter here uh, on this says uh, there were 39 complaints to Gardaí regarding needle spe- spiking in 2021. Gardaí could not find any evidence of needle spiking in any of those cases. This needle nonsense is fear-mongering. The fear that people have in going out is only being perpetrated by the speaker, not by anything that is actually happening. Proof of the claim on this texter uh, 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 latches on there to an examiner article or attaches on uh, even an examiner article from January of this year well yeah you're right I mean Mary did say that that even was if it was a needle being spiked that sometimes whatever was in the needle was nothing uh, and there was there was no evidence of that so she did clarify that in the interview and she said that what we're speaking of is the I suppose it's it's wrong to say the traditional spiking but that's what it is the old type of spiking when someone actually physically puts something into the drink and there's that was never you know that never went away it was always there and it seems to be happening again so it's not the needle spiking we were more or less speaking about this morning even though we did touch on it and Mary did say that and she also did really clarify that she doesn't want to spike fear into people and indeed stop people from going out they should but it's just to let people know that it can happen uh, and it's always been the case and I think the majority of young people if they are out they do look out for one another so uh, that is the most people can do but just to be aware that this situation is happening so while you, you I mean Mary said what you've said there in your text regarding the, the needle situation but we have to be careful too on the, the other side of drink spiking and Anna's asking are there cameras in these places where the spiking of drink goes on and yes the majority of bars do have cameras and in fairness some of the bars have new measures whereby they give you uh, a glass now with a cover on it and maybe a straw for certain drinks so you know that does reduce the risk of a drink being spiked uh, but it's just to raise awareness, I suppose, that it can happen. Now, from that situation to a texter on WhatsApp that has texted about going to a toilet in a store. Uh, and we've, we've got this before, but anyway, I'll read it out for you. This is a person who says, I was in an Aldi store at the checkout after my shopping was done. And I asked, could I use the toilet? And the girl said it was against company policy. I was taken back because earlier while I was in a beauty salon, a woman came in and thought no more of it. And she asked, could she uh, use the toilet? And the beautician granted her her wish. Such a difference. And the business was smaller. And this comes up from time to time again and in many shops, in shopping centres there is, in some supermarkets there are, but in some of them don't. And Maybe that's one of the stores that don't have a public toilet. So if it is company policy, that's what it is, I suppose. And uh, 
uh, if you know that the, some companies will be like that I mean that they don't have a public toilet it's for staff only we did check in and it really depends on I suppose if that person was going to go along then and ask the manager if the manager was okay with it but then do you open up uh, a situation where everybody wants to use the toilet uh, within a store where they don't have a public toilets. You're going into a staff area. Um, so, yeah, we, we, something we did discuss before in the show. Your views are welcome on that. Do you think it's wrong that they should stop people from using the toilet? Or do you think it's right that they don't have public toilets in these stores and that it is a staff toilet after all? Or do you think for the sake of it, they should just let the person use it? It's, it's If it is company policy, uh, you know, that they will stand over that. Anyhow, thank you for your WhatsApp. Your views are welcome on toilet use in the supermarkets uh, 0862103103 or you can text or whatsapp 0862103103 C103 Jobs and clatters with roofing experience are wanted for Cork City email your CV to jobs at hamiltonfrench.com a warehouse supervisor is wanted for Clonakilty you can email your CV to carry.murphy at osborne.ie and bar and waitstaff are wanted at O'Connor's Bar and Restaurant in Mallow experience not essential phone Patrick at 0225863 these jobs and more online now just go to c103.ie forward slash job you're listening to Cork Today on replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. Record today on C103. Call Patricia with your comment. 0818 103 103. So it's our final time we played Elton John back to back together and let's go to the four lines. Who is our final person to qualify? Hello, Ellen. Hello. How are you today, Ellen? You're in the final. I'm <laughs> Well, are you a big fan of Elton John? Oh, massive fan. Are yes, you? And how long fan. have you been a fan of Elton? Um, all my life, I suppose. I, my mum has played his music all his life. And um, yeah, me and my sisters are all musical. And so it's a family, <laughs> a family affair when it comes to Elton. Have That's any of you seen much. him before? Um, no, never. Oh, I've wow. never seen him. Yeah. So the question is now your truth to the final will make the draw this afternoon from two o'clock. As it's a family affair and you all are mad about Elton John, who would you bring? Um, I'd have to bring my baby sister, oh. Anna. Okay. Yeah, the youngest. <laughs> well, yourself, Anna, could be heading off with the draw is this afternoon after two o'clock. The very best of luck to you. Have you been to Liverpool before as well? No, never. Oh, so, wow. Yeah, it well, would be massive. I better tell you what's an offer because you could be getting return flights from Cork to Liverpool and that includes return private airport transfers in Liverpool, then two nights luxury accommodation in a hotel within central Liverpool. You'll also get a breakfast and you'll get a three-course dinner and drinks on one of the evening. Plus, you will see Elton John live in Anfield and then when you come back home, you'll see him again in Parky Cueve on July 1st. So you could be winning your way there. You'll find out this afternoon. Afternoon, Ellen. Anyhow, thank you so, so much. Best of luck. Uh, you, t- you tell us you're yeah. working at the moment. Yeah, I am. Um, I'm a student. I'm on placement in um, camps in the mental health services. Okay, yeah. so uh, I mean, is that something you obviously want to get into when you finish college? Um, yeah. So I work as an assistant psychologist. So yeah, I'm hoping to be um, a psychiatrist for kids. Oh, wow. Yeah. Best of luck to you on that, uh, and they're needed at the moment uh, with yeah. waiting lists and everything. And where did you, or where are you, or where where were you going to college? Um, I'm in UCC. Oh, Very yeah. good. Well, best of luck to you with your future career, and best of luck also later on this afternoon. 
Thank you so much. Take care, Ellen. Thank Thanks. you. Bye. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Bye. Ellen Kinsner there from Bishopstown. Uh, a student from UCC and she could be heading off maybe to see Elton John twice. With thanks to Blackpool Shopping Centre, no gimmicks, no notions, no paid parking, just shopping. It's what they do best only on C103. Now our lines are open 0818103103 or you can text or WhatsApp 0862103103. And Charlie O'Keefe is a seven-year-old boy with cystic fibrosis. His mum Sarah and dad Mark were overjoyed when they learned their son could be made available uh, to a new drug that could transform his life. But unfortunately, things did change regarding the availability of that drug. And Charlie's mum Sarah joins me this morning. Good morning to you, Sarah. Good morning. Thank you for having me. Oh, well, thanks for joining us. And I mean, it's just awful that, she, again, parents have to go public and tell these stories for something to be done. And it's the situation that it's arose again, unfortunately. First of all, how is Charlie doing? He, he's good. Um, he, he has a, a feeding tube. Um, Charlie suffers quite a bit from pancreatic insufficiency. And for his caloric um, needs, he, he needs over 3,000 calories a day. So he's dependent on the feeding tube, which it, it does limit a lot that Charlie can do. Um, he he can't play sports with his friends. He can't go to cool camps. And even, even today, he was saying that he, he was scared to go out at yard at recess because he has no friends to play with because he can't play the sports or he can't play rough or anything like that. So it's, it's hard for him um, in that sense. And CF, many people would look at the conditions and realise it's mainly to do with the, the lungs and the respiratory system, but it can be also in relation to pancreatic. And this is where it affects Charlie more so, uh, as well as the lungs, is it? Yeah, that's yeah. correct. Um, for him, it is also the lungs as well. Like he, He's very frequently on antibiotics. Um, a lot of the, the children can be in and out of the hospital uh, for IV antibiotics as well. So it is a bit of a combination. Of both. And it's hard for him, I would presume, then you mentioned the school situation there. He wants, like every child, a seven-year-old, to be out playing with his friends in the yard or playing ball, wherever they do. And he's restricted because of this button tube. Is it in his belly button that could get damaged? Yeah, it's just beside his belly button. And it's it's small. I mean, it's discreet, but it does stick out a little bit from his tummy. So if somebody hit him or a ball were to hit him, um, he can be pretty badly injured. And would that mean then you'd have to go back to the hospital if it was injured and maybe even another operation to ensure that this tube was incorrectly? That's correct, yes. Oh, Lord. And is it hard for him then to gain weight and develop? It is, yeah. And that also affects his energy levels. Um, sometimes he'll be very lethargic, um, you know, doing for very simple activities. And... Uh, you know, he it's 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 just such a shame because he is such a fun kid. He loves dancing and singing and 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 being active. But it does it does it really limits a lot that what he can do. And because of his condition, you've had to leave work and you're caring full time now for Charlie. That's correct. Yes. 
so it has impacted you know all your lives and and it could be so different because tell me about this drug uh, craft trio it was approved by the hsc but because am i right in saying this of a rare genotype those between a certain age which includes charlie's age between six and eleven they can't avail of this drug but people who are in the same condition and have that rare genotype as well but if they're over 12 years of age they can avail of it that's that's correct um what happened was we were advised by our our team in kremlin that charlie would avail of captrio approximately april may of 2022 um so we were sent to do all of the pre-drug testing which involved getting eye tests and blood tests and sweat tests done and we went actually to Kremlin on April the 26th and had all the work done. And then we just found out three days later on April the 29th that now he was not considered eligible. And the reason for it was that Charlie and a group of other children that have the rare genotype in this age group from 6 to 11 were not included in the original contract that was drafted between the HSC and Vertex back in 2017. And there's nothing medical behind this. It's just simply down and based on the contract. That's correct, yes. So because they weren't included, those cohorts are, are now not allowed access this drug. I mean, what's the way around this? Is it just simply the pharma company wants more money from the HSE? From what I've seen in the recent statements um, from Vertex, Vertex has stated that they want to help these children um, and that they would agree to provide the medication to these children at the original price um, that was negotiated back in 2017. The issue now, um, as I understand it, the HSE has stated that it is under consideration. Um, We are now pleading more with the government to try to intervene to expedite uh, this negotiation between them because every day that passes is a risk to these children with cystic fibrosis. You can't you can't reverse any damage that's already been done. But every day that passes, their health deteriorates. So negotiations would have to happen now. And if you mentioned 2017 was the start of the contract, I presume is it 10 years usually for a contract like this? So they'd have to negotiate mid midterm of the contract. You can't wait another uh, six or seven years. That's correct. Yes, that's right. And without this drug, Charlie then remains tube fed. Yeah, he does. And this whole process, like the, the past couple of months for us, and, you know, I'll speak on behalf of the other parents in, in our group, has been absolutely horrific for us. We've been, we've spent so much time campaigning and going to the press and, and working so hard to, to get this done, and I'm so, I'm so sorry. Um, no, no, you're okay. But it, it, the stress that it's caused us, it, you know, we can't even be normal parents because we have to be fighting for our kids or fighting for something that sh- should never have happened. You know, if, if these children were excluded to begin with, they should never have told us and given us hope that they did. And, and that sorry. hope has been taken away because of this contract. Yes, that's correct, yes. 
And I'm looking here at photos of young Charlie. I'm looking at yourself, Sarah, and Mark, his dad, and uh, Yogi, your your beautiful dog. I mean, yes. Charlie's such a happy young fella. I mean, you can see in his face, you can always tell by a person's face, I think, if they're happy or not. And he's yes. just full of life and full of joy. And to think that, you know, a pharma company in the HSC really are, are holding your family and others to ransom and that they just can't sit down and look at this contract and solve it and, and sort it out. I know there's budgets, but I mean, you can hear it in your voice. You can hear the upset of you and other families uh, have the Department of Health have they uh, come out and contacted you or local TDs anybody acting on your behalf not, not no no they no. haven't um, and to be honest with you we haven't even not, not that this would change anything none of us have received any form of an apology for this and to me that's just it's it's, it's so insensitive you know it's it's bad enough that we have children with cystic fibrosis and now we have to be fighting for them for medication that, that we were promised. And not only that, it's just kind of like, well, you know, too bad. It is what it is, you know, and it's just, it's, it's horrible. And who would have said that to you? Would it be, would, did it come from the HSE or? I, I would hope an apology would come from the HSE yeah. because at the end of the day, I, I personally don't blame Vertex. I, I, they, they're, they're providing a drug to help children, and my understanding is they want to help them. And who and more or less said to you, by the way, Sarah, that is more or less tough luck? Was that from a representative within the HSE? We found out, um, you know, we, we, the CF community all form chats, and we, we, we all speak together quite frequently, and that's how we found out. Um, one of the parents was advised very suddenly and we were all just sort of in shock, and we didn't understand what was happening. And, um, you know, then we, we, we spoke with CF Ireland, who, who have been trying to support us and, and help where they can. And, you know, and they have, they have. Um, but even at that, we're, we're, we're trying to encourage the minister to, to meet with Philip from CF Ireland, um, to have a meeting to discuss what we're going to do. And even at that right now, it's, we're not getting any answers. It's just shocking to think that you're treated like this and that a, a young uh, kid like Charlie is, you know, a number on a sheet somewhere in an office in Dublin. I mean, it's just, it's just, there's no humanity really, is there, in how they're dealing with this. Uh, Sarah, yourself then, and Mark, I mean, how are you coping with this, watching Charlie and watching what is happening to him on a daily basis? It's, it's hard, to be honest. It's, you know, I, I try to distract myself um, because it's, it, in all honesty, this has become like completely time consuming. And, you know, it's it's affecting that we're not sleeping well. You know, I'm I'm very emotional, clearly. You can hear that. Um, and I don't want Charlie seeing me like this. You know, people are coming up to us in the streets and they're like, oh, we saw, we, we've heard what happened with Charlie. How is he doing? And, you know, I want Charlie to be known as, as a happy, fun kid, not this kid whose parents are begging for medication. You know, it's it's not it's not good. It's I I don't you know we're, we're not like this. We don't Mark and I. You know, we're we're usually very we're quiet people. We just we're happy. We get on with life. You know, and yeah, it's it's really it's really affected us to be honest. 
And Charlie himself, I mean, you've described him being a young, happy child. Would you say that he knows he's different then from his friends and that his friends are aware too when they are, for example, out playing ball, that they know not to, you know, go too hard with the football towards Charlie? Are they all very aware of what's going on? They are. They are. And and his friends are wonderful. And, and, you know, it's great that they are aware of his, his differences. And... I think it's more that Charlie would just like the opportunity to do some of the activities the other kids can do. You know, he knows his friends are very mindful of him, but I think he just wants to feel like any other kid. Of course. And school then for Charlie, how is he performing in school? Is he doing well or do you feel that all of this is affecting him regarding education? Well, I I feel it does add pressure to him. Absolutely. Um, You know, it's it's great. Charlie is very creative. which, which is great because that involves more of the mind and not so much of the, the activity side. Um, so I do try to encourage that, and the school is very good with him as well. But, you know, it, it, it does affect him, like I said, when he goes out on yard at recess time. You know, a lot of the, the teachers have been very supportive, and they, they always keep an eye on it. But, you know, I, I get calls all the time about Charlie being injured and, and something has happened, you know, because he's, he's weaker than the other kids. He just doesn't bounce back as, as quickly. And, so um, if he fell in the yard or anything like that, you've got to call instantly just to be sure that he's okay. Yeah, mm. yeah. That happens a lot, yeah. And as it would do with a seven-year-old, especially with his friends <laughs> in a school, it is bound to mean it's normal for that to happen. But unfortunately, what's going on uh, with the companies involved isn't very normal. I mean, as a parent, you've outlined the need for this and, and other parents. If the HSC were here now with us today or the Department of Health, what would you say to them just to get the message across? Because it seems they're not listening or, or they just don't want to listen with the with the responses that you have got from them anyhow and other families. What I would say to them is that this is cruel. This should never have happened. Myself, Mark, Charlie, and the other 34 families should never have been put in this situation. We never asked for this. When Orcambi was available to the CF community years ago, we were never told our children were eligible. We were very happy and supportive for the other families. And I will say the CF community is, is very close. And we knew what we were dealing with. When Trio came and we were told that our children could be on this, this offered us a different life and different hope. We should never, if this was the case, somebody should have been aware of this glitch in the contract. And it was found out, whenever it was found out, that we should not have to be punished now because of some mistake that was made in a contract. Yeah, totally. A piece of paper that was written wrong shouldn't impact on a child's life. And we did contact the HSC. Uh, we have a statement. No, I mean, the statement, I could go on and on and on. It's a lot of words that basically just uh, go around and round and don't give an answer. And all I can say is they say the current agreement remains under consideration and in one aspect of the statement they say the HSC cannot make any additional comment on possible outcomes from the ongoing process at this time so that leads us to believe that at least they might be talking uh, to the company Vertex about this but there's no official outcome and all that we're getting is under consideration I know CF Ireland as you mentioned they have expressed uh, deep concern about what is happening it kind of goes back to similar disputes over the years uh, on the likes of Orkambi uh, and other 
their drugs um, for the moment Mick of course is a Blackpool man so we might touch base if that's okay with you with local politicians here in Cork to see if they can be of any help in pushing this over the line as in putting pressure on the HSE uh, and maybe if there's anybody listening uh, in the know who has maybe fought something like this or or, or indeed is a politician tuned to us please get in contact um, because I think this needs to be sorted we can't have the, the uh, a young guy uh, just seven years old his life just hanging because of um, a contract between a pharmaceutical company and, and the HSC um, Sarah for the moment stay in touch with us Thank you very much. Thank you for having me. You mind yourself and yourself and Mark even, sorry, I said make Mark yourself and Mark, you, you both <laughs> mind yourselves um, because as you say, you're going through a lot. So you just need to look out for yourselves as well and make sure that you are getting that sleep that can be hard to get when your thoughts are running, I'm sure, in the middle of the night. But you need to look after yourself as well. Thank you very much. Really okay. appreciate it. Can you pass on your love to Charlie? Of course, absolutely. Do, do so, do so. Uh, we'll stay in touch. Thank you, Sarah. And uh, thanks for joining us and outlining your story this morning. That is uh, Sarah O'Keefe there, the mum of Charlie. Uh, it's just awful to think that this is still going on despite all the fighting we've had for our cambi over the years and other drugs that again, this situation has arisen. We would have thought when they looked at the contracts that someone would have spotted this and just work it out fairly fast. Uh, it's not like it's something that has happened before. Anyhow, uh, we could talk all day and get frustrated over it. Uh, it's time now for something to be done. 0818 Lines open. You can text or WhatsApp 0862 103 103. There are some big festivals across the weekend which are uh, proudly supported by C103. We're going to find out about the Inish Allen's team and Vintage Rally next. Record today on C103. Text or WhatsApp Patricia with your comment. 086-2103-103. The 25th Inish Allen's team and Vintage Rally is taking place this coming weekend. Proudly supported by C103 and Paul Callagher from the rally joins me. Good morning to you, Paul. Good morning. And this, I suppose, the last two years, there was nothing because of the pandemic. So you're back again and back in your 38-acre venue. Isn't that one mile from Inishannon Village on this coming Sunday and Monday? Correct. It's on Sunday, starts at 12, and also on Monday, the bank holiday weekend. So um, we're looking forward to the event after two years of absence um, of the rally in the in the calendar. And again, it's as large as ever, Paul, because you have over 1,000 exhibits this weekend and they include from Pets Corner to indeed the well-known tractors and thrashing that a lot of people go along to see. Yes, we have events for young and old. I'll call out a few here just to give a flavour. So yeah. we have the front fair, we have walking areas, we have Pets Corner, fire engine displays, parade of steam engines, Stationary oil engines, rural crafts, cock sa- uh, sorry, cake sales, books, stalls, spinner, butter, vintage, um, auction. We have flower show. We have music live on the field with um, Neely O'Connor and Patrick O'Sullivan. So something for everybody. Yeah, there is really. And even though it's the Inishan and Steam and Vintage Rally, there's people, Paul, travelling from all over the country, but also from the UK because Jason Cole and Neil Clayton, they're from Buckington near Coventry. They started their journey last Saturday and they hope to arrive in Inishanin this coming Saturday to take part in the rally. So it's not only locally, they're coming from all over. Yeah, we get great support from the UK. Um, we also get great support from up the country, um, countries like Carlo, Leash, 
Antrim that travel down for the weekend and make a, um, a family event. And the event has been opened this Sunday at 2pm by none other than our own Polly Palmer. Correct, yes. The official opening starts at 2pm, the gates opening at 12 noon. So come early, see everything and uh, listen to Polly Palmer open the official 25th um, rally on 2pm. And again, you do so much good work for the Irish Cancer Society, raising so much money over the last number of years. Again, this year it's an aid of the Cancer Society. Yeah, it's a great cause and uh, we've been delighted to support them over the last uh, 25 years and uh, they're a great organisation to work with and again, as I said, it's a great benefit. And for people who are attending this weekend, uh, where exactly, I mentioned it's one mile outside in Shannon, there'll be signposts for people to get there and for parking, will there be fields and free parking available? Yeah, um, so it's It'll be signposted from Cross Barry, from Inishannon Village, from Bandon, uh, as you come into the village. It's um, free parking, um, so you can get as close to the field as possible. Um, if you come early, there's no issue, and I would recommend that people just um, pack for the good weather, hopefully at the weekend, and for the large crowds to attend. Well, the weather is due to be good, so hopefully the crowds will turn out, as I'm sure they will. Paul, the very best of luck with it this weekend. Thank you very much. Take care. That is Paul Kelleher there from the 25th Inner Shannon Steam and Vintage Rally going ahead Sunday and Monday. Best of luck to all involved with proceeds going to the Irish Cancer Society, proudly supported by C103. And on the way after midday, we'll be looking at other big festivals that are going ahead this weekend, along with C103 involved in these festivals. The search is on for the best place to holiday in Ireland. Jason on WhatsApp says for him, it's got to be Valencia Island or Port McGee in County Kerry. It's absolutely stunning and it's a great place to go on holiday. So much to see and do there, says Jason. And every year he goes for three weeks. It's like another world. Jason on WhatsApp to 0862103103. Where would you be going for your best place to holiday across Ireland? AP with you. Patricia is back from our holidays after the bank holiday weekend on Tuesday from 10am. But me until 1 and Bernie taking your comments 0818103103. Text or WhatsApp 0862103103. And we were speaking there before midday to Sarah. And this is in relation to her son, Charlie, who needs this life-changing drug. Unfortunately, more or less a dispute between the pharma company and the HSC over the age category for this in the contract means he can't avail now of this life-changing drug for young Charlie, who's just seven years old. And the upset it's causing his uh, mum, Sarah, and indeed that Mark, as you can imagine, uh, is quite a lot to take in that the drug is available, but they can't access it due to a contract that states that age group uh, can't access this drug from the HSC between them and the pharma company. Well, on that, Danny is on what? Sam P says, after just listening to the story of Charlie, I hope the HSC think long and hard about the suffering that family is going through. It's hard to believe that most of the HSC CEOs that are running this health service, and you wonder, do they know, considering their past professions, what indeed they are running? Uh, Danny Morla says that the health service is in tatters since Michal Martin set up this big white elephant. And a lot of people are thinking of Charlie and indeed Martin. Mark and Sarah O'Keefe and we'll pass on your good thoughts to them. We are going to contact some politicians here in the Cork area as well that 
uh, might be able to shed a bit of light on the situation and maybe go to the HSE at the Department of Health and see if they can put pressure on for this to be changed or for negotiations to take place now regarding that contract. Uh, I'm not too sure if they uh, are in negotiations on changing it. They said they're in a process, but what that means, um, they haven't clarified to us anyhow. Uh, then that basically more or less what they have said in a, in a statement is that everything is under consideration. So we'll wait and see what happens. But our best of luck to the O'Keefe family and indeed to young Charlie. Uh, if he does receive uh, that drug, it means as he is currently tube fed, that he will no longer need to be tube fed and it will really improve his life. So we do pass on uh, best wishes to Charlie and the O'Keefe family from everybody who has been in touch following our interview. And earlier we had a lady who was on WhatsApp and this was that she went into her local Aldi store and she asked could she use the toilet and she was told that it was company policy that she could not use the toilet. And we were saying yes, some shops, you know, they don't have a public toilet so that is the company policy. Maybe the manager was called, he might have no issue but maybe that was just the staff line they have to give out. And on that, John says that lady probably spends about €100 Euro a week. If it was me, I'll call the manager. I would show him the receipt and then, John says, I would tell him I would never shop here again. That woman could be 10 miles away from her local Dunn's or Tesla stores and most of those have toilets it's a disgrace says John on WhatsApp and we spoke earlier with the Sustainability Energy Authority of Ireland they were advising of grants that are available if you wish to go and insulate your home or upgrade your home that grants are out there well Morris Inglanton who we spoke about the heat pump system for your home he's asking what is the actual cost though of getting a heat pump for your home what will the homeowner have to pay well the Grants range from six and a half thousand euros to eight and a half thousand euros, and the heat pump for the entire system it can go from twelve and a half grand to twenty three thousand euros. But then there is different systems out there. Uh, some can go from eight and a half thousand euros to fourteen and a half thousand euros. So I suppose it depends on whatever system you're going to get and the size of the house and all of that. But there is grants available, uh, and if you want to inquire, I suppose there is better places uh, to inquire from. But you, you can get the valuation and how much of grant you are entitled to then and you can also figure that out online on the SEAI website if you are interested in going down that route. Now a lot of talk about fuel over the course of the week on the show and we all know at this stage when we were starting off the week petrol in some areas were hitting the two euro mark by today nearly the majority anyway of uh, areas of Cork that were getting texts and calls in from this morning are telling us that petrol now is more or less on average in Cork ranging from 203 to 205 from all various parts of the city and county and diesel uh, seems to be coming in between 195, 196 to 199, depending where you go, I suppose. Shop around is what uh, is people, all we, we can advise really, isn't it? Just to look around and see where you can get the best deal for petrol or indeed for diesel. But as consumers are feeling the squeeze as the prices are, are rising again across this week, uh, a lot of experts have said we should be all carpooling and Obviously enough, you, if you can do so, that is, use public transport. And this is a way of reducing the cost of commuting. Well, we asked these people in East Cork, have they ever tried carpooling? And they had mixed feelings on this solution. Something like that will have to be done. Bike or foot or load into a car with other people. That's all you can do. Uh, maybe for people with children going to school, but mm. I work on my own, so it's not going to affect how much I have to put into my car. Not really. We're in a provincial town here. Uh, we're not commuting, 
everybody has to have a car to get anywhere. There's no local transport. I'm sure in Dublin that would work. So there we are. Uh, a lot of people have mixed views on that. If they would carpool, is that a solution or not? Uh, just have a WhatsApp in from Mill Street to say petrol now there is 206.9. That's a lot for petrol. Uh, isn't it price? I paid 203 yesterday so they are all around the 203, 206, 207 mark now I've got in in an area they don't say where in Cork but Johnny's saying I just paid 207 uh, for petrol uh, so it, it is increasing and it's a lot especially if you're a commuter like those people anyhow thank you for your WhatsApps and texts on fuel costs and we'll stay on the roads because Mossy on WhatsApp says Hi John Paul on my own or I, I'm, I'm on my own on this train I thought he wants to know I am fed up with some important roads being tight and narrow to pass. We pay our taxes for our roads and we are part of the EU and part of Europe so we expect our roads to be able to drive uh, or for us to be able to drive safely and if we meet another car, truck or trailer we should be able to pass them safely. It's not the large good vehicles are the fault of the roads, it's the roads are so narrow for those vehicles to get through. I presume Cork County Council and councils nationwide knew that many of these roads were too narrow for two vehicles passing each other on these narrow roads. They must have known about problems where vehicles got wider and the width of these roads stayed the same. This was obvious in the 70s and 80s, says Mossy on WhatsApp. Well, yeah, I mean, cars and trucks have got bigger over the years and the roads are staying the same. A lot of those roads you speak of were never designed for the amount of traffic they take today. And while the, the main roads are... Well, where you, I'm not too sure you, you say you're in West Cork Mossy I mean you can know if you are uh, the main in 71 that isn't designed for the traffic that it takes not also for the, the trucks uh, that have to travel on that road likewise for the Bantry line but on more minor roads that you talk of they're also getting busy a lot of people now are using minor roads to avoid the main roads they're so busy with traffic they feel they make a, a faster journey on their minor roads so now those roads are getting blocked up as well and those the smaller roads were never meant to be taking the not alone the traffic but the type of trucks and cars uh, that are on those roads as both as you say have uh, got bigger over the years so yeah I think many would agree with you on that one Mossy and uh, Councillor Deirdre Kelly in Dunmanway wants to send best wishes to the West Cork Jesters who take part in the International Mixed Ability Rugby Tournament and that's kicking off this weekend so best of luck to everybody there and just going back to the Inner Shannon's team and Vintage Rally uh, somebody on text asking how much is to enter uh, the rally. Uh, to enter the rally, it's 15 euros. For old age pensioners, it's 10 euros. And for a family of four, it's 30 euros. And under 12s are free. That's if you wish to go along to the Inish and Steam and Vintage Rally, proudly supported by C103 in aid of the Irish Cancer Society. And as I mentioned, those events, there's a lot more events and festivals. And they're all back after a number of years of being off due to the pandemic. Well, our news reporter, Murray Tuwick, is looking ahead to those ahead of this bank holiday weekend. Final preparations are underway for festivals and events across Cork with many taking place this long weekend. For many, this is the first time in two years that they will host a physical event. Recently, the 114th Middleton Agricultural Show returned to the calendar for the first time since 2019. Here's the show's Assistant Secretary, Laura Hyde. Two years of kind of would we go, couldn't we go? And yeah, it was very difficult. And even meeting this year, you know, it was um, it was just talked through, you know, could we go ahead with the show? Would we be able to? And then with restrictions and everything, it was difficult to kind of, what were you going to be able to? Registration is open today and tomorrow for participants 
participants in this year's Cork City Marathon. Project manager is Julie Sabodi. There's been pretty much a three-year waiting period, right? And nobody knew if it was going to go ahead or not. Like, even at the end of last year, it was still, you know, December, January. It was like, is it, like, okay, officially, it's going to go ahead. Are there other restrictions going to happen, like... Nobody knew. Nobody knew. You know, it was like, okay, we're going to plan ahead and we're going to see what happens. And now everything is back and it's open and it's phenomenal. On the water, Cork Harbour Festival's flagship event, the Ocean to City on Ross Moor, takes place tomorrow along with the youth race. Claire Hayden is Baudoroch's youth programme manager with Mehel Mara. The youth race is just part of a great big race um, on the day. We're expecting about 500 people in total to be part of, of the race. Um, so the the youth race will go from Black Rock on the day and it will come in just before the adults. The adults will be rowing, um, some of them from Monkstown, but some of them will be doing a 28-kilometre row from Crosshaven into the city centre on the day. The opening ceremony for the IMART Mixed Ability Rugby World Cup is on Sunday in Musgrave Park. The tournament will host an estimated 25,000 players and spectators across the week. John Bransfield plays with Sunday's Well Rebels. It's my first World Cup. I honestly never thought I'd be playing rugby, let alone playing here in Wuzzlegate Park and playing in the World Cup. It's just, it's unbelievable. Hard to, hard to put in words. The Inishannon Steam and Vintage Rally takes place on Sunday and Monday. PRO Paul Kelleher says it's great to be back. The event is really a community event. It's great to see such activities after a long two years in COVID. Um, we're hoping that everybody will come and enjoy the event. It's for it's in aid of a great charity, the Irish Cancer Society. We have a long history with Upton Steam Rally and Shannon Steam Rally. Gig goers continue to head along to Live at the Marquee with more acts to take to the stage across the month. Peter Aiken says it's a great venue. There is this roar in the marquee that the has come on. I've brought somebody on the stage one time where it's easy top. And they couldn't believe it. Like it's, it's frightening the roar. I don't know whether it's a tent, it accentuates the sound, or it's just people can't believe they're saying ZZ Top, you know, soon. The jam packed long weekend leads into a busy month. Cork Carnival of Science on June 11th and 12th at Fitzgerald's Park is a free family fun STEM festival. Project manager is Mervyn Horgan. Exactly. I think everyone needs a good fun day out and everyone needs to get back into the crowds. And Fitzgerald's Park is fantastic. It's a fantastic venue. It's central. Um, it's got an awful lot going for it. Um, so we're, we're looking forward to it. I mean, 2019 was the last time we ran this event and we had a fantastic response from the people of Cork. We were delighted. Cork Midsummer Festival gets underway from June 15th. Festival director is Lorraine May. The city really does become the stage again and the gallery and we have events taking place in warehouses, forts, uh, boats, buses, streets and of course our brilliant theatres as well. Up to 55,000 visitors are expected to pass through the gates of the Cork Summer Show on June 18th and 19th. President of Munster Agricultural Society Robert Harkin says they will have a competition for attendees to show what they learnt during lockdown. You grew home vegetables, you learnt how to knit, you learnt how to sew, uh, you learnt how to draw pictures. We have competitions for all of that and these are amateur competitions this is nothing professional about this is this is really what you grew in your garden bring it along and we'll have a judge that will be able to judge it and tell you where you are and how you're doing in it the message from organizers of festivals and events across cork is that it's great to be back
Thanks, Maurice. And a lot, of course, happening right across Cork this weekend. And you can catch the C103 Street Fleet. They'll be across Cork right over the weekend. Get the pics on the C103 Facebook or Instagram. Now on fuel, petrol, I'm told now, eh, near Mallow is 209 and diesel 196.9. So when we were discussing it there a while ago, everywhere we're getting texts and it's gone up again. So 203 to 205 yesterday, this morning now, we're getting 206 to 209. And Justin on WhatsApp, hi, JP, petrol is... Is 2.15 a litre in Blarney today. Uh, so yeah, on the up, unfortunately, is petrol prices and not good for us commuters. Uh, keep your examples coming of that. On the way, we're going to hear about ABBA. They were in concert in London this week, but they weren't physically on stage. It was a hologram. How did that go? We'll be speaking to our entertainment reporter, Crossy. Also, we were looking ahead to this year's Love Island starting on Monday. And the search is on for the best place to go holidaying in Ireland. That's all ahead before one. The C103 Cork Diary. With Cork County Council, delivering roads and housing, community and business supports all across the county. See corkcoco.ie. An open garden at home of Etna Howard in Seamount in Carabini. It's going ahead this weekend, Saturday and Sunday from 12 to 4, proceeds and age of Cystic Fibrosis Ireland. A free outdoor concert with Long Way Home will be held on this coming Saturday, tomorrow, in O'Brien Street Park in Canturk. Admission is free and everybody is welcome. A charity bungee jump will take place at the Archer's Bar in Mallow on Bank Holiday Monday with proceeds in aid of Cystic Fibrosis Ireland and Mallow Search and Rescue. A coffee day will take place on June the 11th from 11.30am to 4pm at the Coach House Glebe House Gardens at Emmet Square in Clonakilty. It's organised by Claire Cunningham and Eileen Shepherd, and it's in aid of West Cork AOK and Clonakilty Red Cross. And this Sunday, Theo Park, their big fundraising event for Ukraine which is a truck tractor and vintage run it's going to kick off in Theo Park at 1 o'clock Record today on C103 Call Patricia with your comment 0818 103 103 ABBA and they are back in concert in London this week with the ABBA Voyage Tour our entertainment man Crossy went along good afternoon to you Crossy Do you know what my jaw is still on the ground and it's so I just don't know. I just is this the future? Like for anyone that's listening, right? It, this is a hologram. So when when people, I told my mom that they go, "Are back together?" I thought they weren't going to do anything. I said, "Mom, they're doing something together, or they're not doing something usual. They have this is a hologram of themselves, which is basically CGI and life, and you will think they're right in front of you, but not ABBA as in 2022, but ABBA as in the 1970s ABBA." with the 2022 voice of them as they are now. And while you're sitting in the, the crowd across and you're looking up at them on stage, I mean, does it look like it's very real? Because I've seen videos and it looks like it does, but as you're physically there, I mean, is it worth the money to pay to go and see what they're calling avatars, which they mean the take on <laughs> avatars on stage? So I saw a couple of TikToks and Instagram before I went. So my friends were telling me about it. I was like, oh, I don't really know. So I really want to watch Abba in like in concert in a cinema. And my friend went to see an opening night. And she was like, "Go!" She says it will blow your mind. They actually play three songs that aren't like Belger songs, like aren't like Mamma Mia or Chiquita or Fernando. They're three of their back catalog songs at the start because everybody needs to just go. Wow, this is happening. Like, they, so what what happened was two years ago they met each other and they wore these like Spider Man with loads of 
sensory points on it. And those sensory points picked up their mannerisms, the way they sang. So as they did the hologram, everything is what they would be if they were on stage. That's how it is. Like, it's just out of the Out of the system. And did they play all the major hits that we all know yeah. across the years? Everything you, you would know was played along with the latest stuff? Every single song and two new songs which one was released uh, last year, I feel it And it was just Abba's greatest hit as they were back in the 1970s. I, mean, I was lucky I got to the lady who saw them back in the 70s. And I kept, like, she was crying from over She said, this is just unheard of. Like, what's happening here? And I was saying, look, look at the way they're hugging each other as in the hologram holding each other. And look at the way they're interacting. Is that what they were like when they were on point? She says, A1, this is what they were, and this is how she remembers them. So it's kind of weird, because, you know, they obviously would not have been able to dance, jump around the place, or do anything like that if it was ABBA as them now. So is this a new way of thinking? You know, are there bands out there now looking going, right, we're not really able. We've got a good voice, but we're not able to dance around anymore. Do we get a hologram? So this is going to be there for five years apart. And um, they're hoping they're going to go to Las Vegas and have ABBA as the home of Las Vegas. So it'll be interesting to see if that happens because from what I've heard, it's flying at war. And anyone who's judged this before they went to see it, when they walk out, going, oh, that was different. That was actually enjoyable. And like at certain points of the night, holograms are talking to the crowd. You know, they're getting reactions from the crowd. Oh, they obviously want the crowd to cheer and all that. Yeah, so you could see other bands in the future that may no longer be with us or indeed bands like this who are not able to perform as they feel anyhow on stage and dance around anymore that they could use holograms in the future and considering your uh, draw dropped over that you would go along and that people would go along to, to view a hologram yeah. because Abbott themselves were there for one of the nights and they were smiling and I think one of the members got up dancing. It was so real to them and obviously brought back memories. A lot of memories, and they actually do talk about that, you know, like, well, as they're on stage, they talk about the fact that they had dated each other, and that, you know, they were talking, like, so they're talking about the problem, like, knowing me, knowing you, they're telling us the backstory of it, and I'm like, this is a hologram talking to me in a way that a real person would talk to me. Um, apparently, the night before last, and the night before last, Benny and Bjorn actually came out on stage afterwards. People did not know if it was real or not, only because there were two Benny and Bjorns on stage, they went, okay, one of them has to be real. And the other one is, um, and I just yeah, I like a little Bruce Springsteen, Bruce Springsteen, Celine Dion, Rolling Stones, Elton John. Would they want to be in Las Vegas, you know, every night, or do they want a hologram of them? But with their voice. And the act themselves, that obviously there's a hologram, but there's a, is there a live band then behind this, and there's people actually singing. Yes, there is a live band. So right to the left, that's right to the left of the stage. There's a massive live band. And actually, Abba referenced the band constantly. And they introduced the band. They walk over it to a point to the band. So, so when Paris last night, Agatha starts talking to the crowd. And she turns around and she's like, okay, the guys are just going to get changed in their next, their next week before we start thinking again. They're hologramming. But you're so immersed in this, you actually think it's real that they actually are going to get changed to come back in and be in different suits. And that's how mad it is. Um, there's, at one point, they're hugging each other. And, you know, like if you go to Tree Arena or you're at the Marquee Port, there's always two big screens by the stage. They've got that as well. And you get to see really up close and personal their fingernails, you know, a 
their fingers, their, their smile, their tr- like everything about them. It's just, it's such a strange experience. Like, I, I, I don't think Instagram or TikTok or anything like that just as, uh, you're not allowed to phone in there. They've asked mm. people to use the phone, so you're literally there, dancing, enjoying it, not having the restriction of having your phone, which I think is big to yeah, and a lot of people, I think a lot of concerts are going that way where they don't want people to film or, or use their phones anymore. Crossy, we're going to leave it there. The, the line is just fading a bit on us oh, uh, as you're okay. moving there. So we'll we leave you go as you head back to Dublin. But for the moment, thanks for joining us with that update of ABBA in concert in London. Even though it's a hologram, as uh, uh, Crossy said himself, yes, he would recommend it. And even hearing and watching ABBA themselves sitting down, watching themselves perform as a hologram, they were blown away so if you thought a hologram wasn't the way to go to see ABBA again as they were in the 70s you've got it there Crossy says it is now uh, also something that is back on Monday love it or hate it Love Island returns on this coming Monday. We were going to do a talk to Crossy about that as well, but his line just deteriorated as we were going on with that interview. Bush, it is back on Monday night. There's a brand new villa. If you are a fan of Love Island, they've moved the villa to a new location, brand new. If you ever watched the Australian version of Love Island, it's very similar to that villa. Similar features, similar neon lights. Uh, there's one Irish contestant so far in the villa uh, that is being confirmed. Dimmy from Dublin. Also Michael Owen, the uh, soccer player. His daughter is appearing in this year's Love Island. And the new villa, there will be some new format twists. So watch out for that as well if you're a fan of Love Island. It's a lot of new features this year. Of course, it airs next Monday from 9pm on ITV2 or indeed on Virgin Media 2. Uh, that is Love Island. Record today on C103. Text or WhatsApp Patricia with your comment. 086 Almost after a decade since the original running of the competition, the best place to holiday in Ireland is underway again with the Irish Times and Board Falta and Connor Goodman joins me from the Irish Times this afternoon. Afternoon to you, Connor. Hello JP, thanks for having me on. Well thanks for joining us and we mentioned this earlier on the show and there are just so many destinations to choose from right across Ireland. I mean many people staycated over the past two years and some people found out new things about their country. So destinations they never would have gone to, they've experienced and are returning to. So we could see a different kind of result this time around. I think that's definitely true and we're seeing that in the entries that the level of knowledge that people have about the country would have uh, increased substantially so all those sun worshippers who always went to uh, went to the south of Spain and found themselves in in Mayo or West Cork um, are now uh, you know converts to the Irish holiday on the other hand I think a lot of people are uh, are itching to get out of the country and you've seen that with the airport queues but um, nothing that uh, that we've seen at the airport in in, uh, in, the la- in the past week or so would encourage you to take a foreign holiday so I expect we're going to see a lot of uh, a lot more staycations this year, even if people do a bit of both, you know, to 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 take a foreign holiday, maybe do maybe do uh, a week in Ireland too. 
Yeah, I, I, that possibly is what a lot of people will do. And I'm told so far that Cork is in the lead uh, in this competition. And there's many fantastic locations here in this county. But for people who want to vote for an area, for example, if they vote for Clonakilty and the Clon does come out on top, what do the judges look for then at an area or at a town? I mean, is it simply the public vote wins out or is there a number of factors before that? It's not just the public. It's not just the public vote, but it is important. So... Um, what we do is we ask members of the public to nominate an area and uh, what we've counted what you're talking about there is, is, is the number of nominations per place so out of 450 nominations or entries Cork has 80 of them so um, you know it's a large county with so much to offer but I think that's a, that, that's a real endorsement of, uh, of, of Cork as, as an area and also it's not just uh, kind of grassroots campaign in in one area in one town or something. Uh, there's a big variety of uh, of locations: uh, Kinsale, Castle Townsend, Valley de Hob, Ross Carberry. A lot from Ross Carberry actually. Um, so uh, th- there's you know a good variety and lots of places seeing themselves in that in that context. And Clonakilty was one of the uh, one of the shortlist places for last year's award which was the best place to live in Ireland so um, you know it's it's it, it, it's got a good chance again along, along, along with all of these others so um, ultimately in, though it goes in front of a panel of judges so it's researched we take it pretty serious actually, seriously actually we send out researchers first they write up reports on all of the all of the likely winners and then it goes then, then the judges make the final call and they're looking for things like uh, obviously, a beautiful natural environment and nice amenities, you know, nice beach or mountains or whatever it is nearby, rivers maybe. Um, and then on top of that, are the tourist facilities good? So are there places to stay? Um, are there enough for numbers of people who might, who might want to go there? Is there a good variety? So, you know, are there hotels, but also B&Bs, hostels, campsites? Low cost options, particularly this year, with uh, you know so many things going going up in price, the cost will be a big consideration. Um, and then the old thing, like you know, the the the, the friendly welcome, um, is is it a place that welcomes tourists, that is easy to get to, and that uh, that that throws open the welcome mat really. And if people didn't wish to nominate their favourite area, or they feel that their area is the best, how do they do that? Well, it's a fairly simple process, I hope. Uh, they go to the Irish Times website. So it's irishtimes.com forward slash best place. Simple enough to remember. And there, there's a little form and you, you write in um, just why you think this place is the best to holiday in Ireland. You don't have to be James Joyce. You know, it's not a writing competition. Um, but set down factually and with a bit of enthusiasm and you know maybe a bit of overstatement as well doesn't hurt um, uh, what qualities the, the, the place has it's no more than 300 words and you don't even have to write that much uh, if, if you don't feel like it uh, just let us know we'll go and check the place out and make and the judges will make the final decision it'll be uh, you have until Tuesday to enter the competition to nominate somewhere and uh, the result will be announced in the August bank holiday weekend. And you went to County Clare last time. West Clare went out, didn't it? The winner last time, yes. It was the Loophead Peninsula in uh, in, in County Clare. And 
it won, it sort of had this X factor on top of the things I'm talking about in that it had a real vision for sustainable tourism. They didn't want big tour buses. They didn't want massive numbers. They wanted to preserve what they have, but also share it with other people. So it was, at the time, a fairly novel concept of sustainable tourism. It's, it's become quite a, a mainstream idea. And uh, so they had great vision and they implemented it very carefully. Um, and they brought everybody you know, everybody with them as well who was who was living there. It has really helped to uh, mark them out as a tourist destination, put them on the map. And uh, speaking to uh, Killian Murphy, who was a restaurateur there at the time, he's now a county councillor, he said it made a huge difference to uh, to Loophead and, and, and the villages and towns within it. So um, if, uh, if, if somewhere in Cork or wherever wins it, uh, it can make a big difference to a place. So it is worth doing. Um, it can have a huge benefit locally for the you know for the tourist economy and and, and generally then for kind of you know, sense of pride and community pride and all of that as well. Um, I will say it's not only about the winning because we will also have uh, a, a long list of twenty places that are that are great to go on holiday. There'll be a short list, even better if you get into the last five. But there are, there's kind of kudos. From um, from every stage, you know, and, and yeah. being included in the in, in the longer lists as well. And the PR will make a difference for all those areas, especially if they win it. You know, people looking to go somewhere when they see it on a list or see it winning out overall, it will change uh, people's views of an area. And we've got so many locations on text and WhatsApp across the morning. First of all, Joe and Kilmallock, he loves Kinsale. He feels it's kept very well. And uh, he worked for a time in the Trident Hotel uh, many years ago as a trainee chef. So hi to you, Joe and Kilmallock. Also, a lot of people mentioning Dingle, Port McGee, Galway, Donegal, uh, various areas of Cork. Yourself, Connor, have you any one location that you favour over another? Uh, well, I'm chair of the judging panel, so I have to bring a certain <laughs> amount of objectivity to it. Um, I must say, I love holidaying in Ireland. I love holidaying north and south. I do go to Dingle a lot, actually, because uh, my wife's family are from there. Uh, I love Dingle, um, yeah. But um, I also love, you know, uh, areas of West Cork. In fact, I love all of all of that coast from Baltimore, Crookhaven, uh Valley to Hobbs, Skibbereen, very, very fond of that. It's a good, it's a good drive from Dublin, but it's always worth it. Um, and, I, and I visit Tremor on a regular basis as well. I have good friends there in, 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 in Waterford. Well, we have uh, a lot to choose I, from. I'm, all I'm, right, I'm Connor. really pleased, I must say. So, uh, but, uh, I think Ireland has a huge amount to offer. And this competition is about trying to tell people a little bit about that. And also, places that are a bit off, off the beaten track. It's not necessarily about awarding a well-known place um, but also um, trying to give people a little bit of new information. True. Kind of newspaper, I suppose. Yeah, true, exactly. Well, best of luck with it. Uh, people have until next Tuesday to go and get their votes. And for the moment, Connor, thanks for joining us on the programme. Many thanks. Take care. That is Connor Goodman. He's an Irish Times journalist and chair of the judging panel. You can get voting now. That's where we leave it for this week. My thanks to Bernie Murphy who produced a very busy week and Patricia Messenger is back with us next Tuesday from 10am where we will be teaming up with Foot Solutions. You could be winning yourself a €150 voucher for Foot Solutions next week on the programme. Have a great weekend. I'll chat to you Sunday morning with the Irish Sunday across North and East Cork and Cork City while John Green is on the Irish Sunday in West Cork so until Sunday morning at 10am enjoy whatever you're up to across the weekend or whatever one of those many festivals we have mentioned enjoy them I'm John Paul McNamara 
Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great too. That's why there's United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at uh1.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns.